Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Great to see you guys this weekend. Thanks for being at Lake Point. Glad you're here. Welcome all of our campuses. I welcome those of you that might be joining us online as well. So grateful for you. And before we get started today, I just want to give a shout out to all who worked so hard over the last two weekends pulling off these women's events. Uh, really, really cool event that, that, that the women got to enjoy. So hopefully it was encouraging to you and helpful to you. But thank you to everybody that worked so hard for the last two weekends. Uh, we're grateful for every woman, every girl in this church, and also grateful for every guy in this church. In fact, we're in a series right now where we're talking not exclusively, but primarily to men. And if you've missed any of it, uh, you can catch it o- online. And, and uh, you know, I love talking to diverse groups of people. I get to do that most weekends uh, in, in my life. But I always get especially a little fired up uh, to talk to guys. Uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I am one. Uh, and secondly, because God sees amazing potential in every man here. And far too few people tell us that. And, and if we can just embrace God's plan for our lives, and we can allow God to put us on a potter's wheel and shape us and mold us and chisel us into the kind of men that he wants us to be, a whole lot gets right in our families. A whole lot gets right in our neighborhood, in our community, in our church, a whole lot gets right in our world. So now I know you're thinking, so dude, why, why are you dressed like that? Because it's football season. That's why I'm dressed like this. Anybody fired up about football season? Now I've heard a rumor that uh, it's kind of a big deal in Texas. A lot of men and women are really into it. Uh, Friday night lights at high school stadiums. You got Saturday tailgating for our favorite college teams and NFL Sunday red zone and Monday night football and Thursday night football and fantasy leagues in full swing. And we see these crazy fans paint themselves in the colors of their favorite team. And we see these highly conditioned gladiators going at it on the field. And we see these guys who get no love whatsoever. And we will watch them go under the hood, so to speak, to, to review the previous play. And then they'll come back out and say, after further review, the call on the field stands. Or the call on the field is confirmed. The call on the field is reversed. So I thought it just might be a good idea this weekend for all of us in this series to call a timeout and maybe just go under the hood, so to speak, and take another look, a deeper inside outlook at our character. And the great news is, every time we do something like this, God is for us. And you know what? God always makes the right call. He never blows one. And I have been flagged countless times for character penalties. Probably the most common on me has been false start on the bald guy, five-yard penalty, 
repeat first down. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that God has thrown a flag on me for just hurry sickness. I mean, it's like those, uh, it's like those huge linemen that, are, that, that can hardly wait in their stance. They, they, get, they get jumpy. I get jumpy. Anybody else? I get going way too fast. I get stressed. I get impatient. I get hurried. I'm not willing to wait on God. Anybody else been flagged for a false start? I've also been penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct a lot. I mean, way too many times I've had an inappropriate reaction. I've been flagged for a late hit a time or two where I've just had to get the last word in, you know, a little blindside sarcastic attack. I've been, I've been, I've been flagged for a face mask a few times where I've hidden behind some kind of phony mask to pretend to be somebody that I'm actually not. I have been flagged for intentional grounding where I just felt the pressure, didn't trust my teammates. And in my panic, I just threw away a really good opportunity. I, I, I have been penalized for holding numerous times, holding on to resentment, holding on to bitterness, past mistakes, grudges. I've been, I've been flagged for a lot of character stuff. But today I want to talk about a certain flag that God threw on me years ago and occasionally still calls me out about it. And initially, I argued the call. I said, what? God, you got to be kidding. No way. No way. I'm, God, I might be a lot of things, but I'm, I'm not like that. You know, football is a pretty violent game. There's a lot of uh, collisions on every play. There's a, an injury almost every play, whether it's a shoulder or a knee or an ankle or a finger or, or a concussion with lasting implications. By the way, that's always why I enjoyed flag football a lot better. When I was in college, we put together a team, went around the little towns and played flag football tournaments. I found that to be just as fun, just as creative with a fraction of the pain. I guess you could say that flag football was a kinder, gentler version of real football. And after further review, that's what I want to be said of me these days. That I'm a kinder, gentler version of the guy I used to be. Because of, for way too many years, in different ways, I would have been flagged repeatedly for unnecessary roughness. Again, I argued God's call. But after further review, it was true. I was too rough on myself, way too demanding of myself, way too critical of myself. And I could also be very demanding and very critical of other people, too. I could be harsh and biting and cutting and sarcastic and short with people. So I had to stop and I had to go to the replay monitor, so to speak, and ask God to review my character. And I prayed that little prayer that we've talked a lot, a lot about around here about, where you just say, search me, oh God. Please, God, just get under the hood with me. What, what's true about me? Is there anything in here that you find offensive? After further review, God, what do you see that needs to change? And I started using a little verse in, in a portion of the Bible called Galatians, kind of in the back of the Bible, it, I kind of started using that as a replay monitor, so to speak, as I would I'd regularly check on how I was improving. I'm going to show you that list in just a second. But when I first started doing this, the one that surprisingly like jumped off the list at me was a thing called gentleness. Again, I argued the cause. I said, God, you got to be kidding me. I'm a guy. Gentle? Gentleness? Come on. God, men aren't gentle. Breezes are gentle. Bambi is gentle. Charmin is gentle. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't hear the Marines say, we're looking for a few gentle men. The Cowboys don't want guys. They want guys that can bench 450 and run a 4340, not gentle guys. You never hear the boxing ring announcement say, oh, let's get ready to 
fluffed pillows. He never says that. This is a rough and tumble UFC cage match kind of world, gridiron in the frozen tundra. We are America Ninja Warriors. We are tough men. We are tough women who do battle every day with rising inflation and crazy traffic and dirty diapers. We are gladiators. We can't afford to be gentle. My problem used to be, and I think our collective problem is, that most of us guys especially have a misunderstanding of what gentleness actually means. The word, word in the Bible doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean frail. It doesn't mean soft. It doesn't mean delicate. It actually means power under control. The original term for gentleness came from the equestrian world that described a horse trainer who would take this wild, snorting, bucking, strong, thoroughbred colt with all that raw energy and all that power and breaks it. It was power under control. And when you really think about it, couldn't we all use a little bit of that? Wouldn't we all be at our best if we had a little power under control in our lives? I mean, when a toddler throws a temper tantrum in a grocery store, they fall on the floor, their arms and legs are flailing because they can't get the Pop-Tarts open. What do they need in that moment? A little power under control. When a teenager storms to the room, slams the door, cranks up the music, and erupts with the kind of emotion that makes a hurricane look like a passing shower, what do they need in that moment? A little power under control. When a grown man blows his top, gets red with rage and starts using the kind of language that turns the air blue and everybody else's blood cold at the t-ball field. What does he need in that moment? A little power under control. And I don't know, but just maybe God's been throwing a flag your way for unnecessary roughness. Because he, he threw one on me, told me, bro, you know what you need? You need some gentleness. And he was right. I needed some gentleness with my wife. I needed some gentleness with my kids. I needed gentleness with the people I worked with and the people I led. I needed gentleness with the players I was coaching at the time. I, I needed gentleness with the people I was trying to pastor. After further review, he was right. Gentleness was exactly what I needed. And if you and I are going to be at our very best, if our relationships are going to flourish and thrive, we all need a dose of gentleness. I want to show you that list I was talking about. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's that replay monitor that you can go to to evaluate how you might be growing. You can look at it and go, okay, so how's my love these days? Am I more loving than I was six months ago? What's my joy level like these days? How am I doing in the, in the peace and contentment category? Am I faithful? Am I good? Am I kind? Am I gentle? But let, let me give you an even more specific definition of this thing called gentleness. Gentleness is your power under God's control. Gentleness is your power under God's control, under the control of the Holy Spirit. And gang, there is not a person in this room who does not need God's help in this area because every single human being who has ever walked this planet has had some rough edges. 
I was thinking back to our series we did this summer called Shoes and where we learned a whole lot about Jesus as we put ourselves in the shoes of other people that encountered Jesus one-on-one. And I learned a lot about myself. And I, and I kind of reread uh, a lot of those stories and could see a lot of myself in the guys that hung out with Jesus for three years. Because Jesus had this small group of, of guys and his three closest friends were guys like Peter, James, and John. You talk about some guys with some rough edges, so much so that Jesus nicknamed James and John the Sons of Thunder. You can just imagine these guys like in black leather jackets with SOT, you know, tattooed on their shoulder, riding jacked up Harley camels. One time, Jesus and the disciples, they're walking in Jerusalem, they're planning on staying over, staying the night in Samaria, and they sent a couple of guys to check it out, a place where they can they can find some lodging. And 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 once the Samaritans realizes Jesus and his guys, they, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Kind of a hot topic at that time. So they don't welcome him into Samaria. They don't have anything to do with him. Well, James and John, the sons of thunder, they go ballistic because they already don't like Samaritans anyway. They got that going on inside of them. So they come up to Jesus and they say, yo, Jesus, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, yo, Jesus, you want us to like call down fire from heaven to destroy them? How's that for a few rough edges? Not to mention the blatant arrogance. They actually thought that they had the power to call down fire from heaven. They both needed a little gentleness, a little power under control. Peter, one of Jesus' other closest friends, he also had some rough edges. Some of you know he was impulsive, he was boastful, always sticking his foot in his mouth. When they come to the garden to arrest Jesus, Peter grabs a sword. He just loses it and starts flailing his sword around and chops the ear off of a servant. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 unnecessary roughness. Put that thing away, Peter. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And then Jesus compassionately heals the guy's ear. They all had rough edges, like you and me. But Jesus saw their potential, like he does with you and me. He saw beyond their rough edges. He knew that if they could just get to know him better, if they could hang out with him and watch him react and relate to people, if they could start depending upon the coming Holy Spirit and his power, they could be changed from the inside out. And that's why he invited them, and he invites us when he, when he said in Matthew chapter 11, just come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you a rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle, and you'll find rest for your souls. Here's Jesus saying, if you, if you just come to me, if you just learn from me, if you would watch me, link up with me, do life with me, the gentle one... I will enable you to have power under my control because that's how God is. God's a gentle God. Now, that doesn't mean that God is weak in any way. I mean, Jesus certainly wasn't weak. I mean, think about this. You know that Jesus had to have calloused hands from working years as a Palestinian carpenter. And back in those days, you didn't run to Home Depot to get your lumber. You had to make your own lumber. And he did a lot of stone masonry work. So you know that Jesus was strong, probably shredded from all that physical labor. Jesus went toe-to-toe with Satan in the wilderness facing temptation of incredible proportion, and he held strong. He walked into God's temple and boldly threw out the religious con men, flipping over tables while his nostrils flared over all the injustice. And as a side note, nobody messed with him. 
Jesus used strong words to the religious leaders of his day and confronted their distortion of God's word. Jesus courageously endured the beatings and the scourging and the humiliation and the pain of the cross. And it's there that maybe we see the greatest display of gentleness in the history of the world. You talk about power under control because he actually could have called down fire from heaven. He could have sent thousands of angels to come and rescue him and blow away all of his accusers. It was all within his power. But in an amazing demonstration of power under control, he carried our sins to the cross because he knew that nobody else could. You see, gang, without gentleness, without power under control, the most important thing that's ever happened in history would not have occurred. And with all these guys with rough edges that hung out with Jesus, they were empowered later by God's spirit. And he started producing them things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness, self-control. And they became world changers. And the cool thing is the same power that smoothed out all their rough edges can smooth out yours and mine too. I had an old friend who used to say, uh, I haven't very often had to apologize for my position just my disposition. And as a guy with plenty of rough edges, I'm learning that produce, to, to produce gentleness inside of me, that's where the Holy Spirit needs to start in, with my disposition. Now, you might be saying about it right now, okay, bro, I hear you, but, you know, gentleness, that's just, that's just ain't me, man. It's not my makeup. I can't help it. I'm not a touchy-feely kind of person. I'm not tender. I'm not friendly. I'm not funny. I'm not laid back. I'm tough. I'm a type A, I'm highly competitive, I'm aggressive, I'm high energy, I'm pretty matter-of-fact with people, I just say what's on my mind, that's just my personality, and you always say, man, you're supposed to be who God wired you up to be. Well, listen to me, God's not interested in changing your basic personality makeup. He does want you to be you. But God is super interested in turning you and me into his best version of us. He wants to shape the way our unique personality plays itself out. He wants to shape our disposition so that you and I can act and react and relate to people the way that Jesus did. I mean, you ought to have passion. You ought to have fire. You ought to have drive. You ought to have ambition and energy and courage. You were made in God's image, and he possesses all those traits in a very healthy way. But you know as well as I know there is an unhealthy underbelly to those qualities as well. And unless you and I surrender the dangerous shadowy side of those traits to the Holy Spirit of God, we're just going to turn into hard-charging, insensitive, irritable grumps who explode at the drop of a hat and run over people all the time. I was in a meeting uh, a while back, a uh, meeting with a little difficult truth-telling going on between good friends. And one of the friends was trying to describe how he felt the way one of the other guys was behaving. He said, man, I got to be honest with you because I love you. Right now, you're like a big boat cutting through the water, swamping a whole lot of smaller boats in your wake. And it got really quiet. And the guy got pretty emotional and said, I didn't realize that, man. I don't want to be a big boat anymore. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament of the Bible, was at one time a big boat. There's a guy named Saul who absolutely 
ran roughshod over people. Unnecessary roughness, man, that was his M.O. But God changed him. He was still tough. He was still fiery and sharp and focused and bold and ambitious and hardworking kind of guy. But now he channeled all of that through the Holy Spirit who controlled his life. And I want you to see what this tough guy wrote from a prison cell. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your what? Gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's saying, listen, life is short. Jesus could come back at any time. Plus, he is near, like right now. He's with you right now. He's in you right now. So enough with the unnecessary roughness. Live and relate in a warm, joy-filled, upbeat, smile on your face, dealing gently with people kind of way. Gang, we all need to surrender our disposition every day to the Holy Spirit. We need to roll out of bed first thing in the morning and say, God, today sweep away my moodiness, strip away any layers of cynicism you see inside of me, remind me to choose joy when I don't even feel like it today, guard my reactions today, guard my body language and my tone today, help me control my tongue today because I don't want to be the big boat swamping everybody else anymore. And honestly, this is where a lot of us guys especially get in trouble, isn't it? If, if we could just lose the I'm right attitude, if we could lose the harsh tone, if we could lose the biting sarcasm, if we could lose the profanity, if we could lose the you're so stupid roll of the eyes, then our relationship with our parents, with our kids, with our spouses, with our brothers and sisters, our coworkers, our friends would dramatically, dramatically improve. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But harsh words stir up anger. Do you see how, you see how powerful, see how powerful gentleness is? There, it really is a powerful thing. It says gentleness turns away wrath. It can make wrath back up and run away. But I don't have to tell you that harshness is also a powerful thing. And we can damage a whole lot of people without realizing it simply by carrying around a harsh disposition. The Bible says repeatedly that there's just no place in the life of a believer for a harsh disposition. In fact, in the verses preceding that checklist I showed you, that replay monitor where it says, when the Holy Spirit controls your life, he'll produce things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, all, all that. I want you to see the verses preceding, just the verses right in front of the, that verse. In Galatians 5, 19 and 20, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these kind of results, these evil results, sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activity. And catch how these last seven are all angry disposition-related things. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, and the feeling that everyone is wrong except for those in your own little group. It's been my experience that when you ask God to go to the root cause of your lack of gentleness, he will often reveal some kind of unresolved anger in there. I'm talking about that slow burn that lurks inside of us that causes us to explode on a regular basis. And can I ask you, right after you explode with anger, you feel better or you just feel stupid? I mean, Proverbs 29:11 says, stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back. I don't write them. I just read them. And here's the really stupid thing. The really stupid thing is that most of us tend to think that when we lose our temper, it's triggered by one of two things. The first is stupid inanimate objects. 
I mean, you're in a hurry, and the button on your jeans pop off. You go, oh, you stupid jeans. Your computer screen, screen crashes, and you lose all your files. You go, oh, you stupid computer. Or you hit a bad shot off the tee box. Oh, you stupid eight iron. We actually call inanimate objects stupid. So who's really stupid here? And, of course, the second category is stupid people, right? You, you remember the, uh, the, the country comedian Bill Ingvall that had that shtick about, came up with that, here's your stupid sign. Like you pull up somebody on the side of the road with a flat tire. Hey, you got a flat tire? He goes, no, I was driving along. The other three just all swelled up all of a sudden. Here's your sign. Most of us tend to think that it's stupid things or stupid people that make us angry. So typically, we express our anger by saying, that thing makes me so mad. She makes me so mad. He makes me so mad. But here's something you rarely ever hear come out of the mouth of an angry person. I make me so mad. Let me let you in a little secret. I make me mad. You make you mad. Because in between the event, whether it's a stupid inanimate object or the rude driver or annoying person at work, in between that and my anger is my interpretation of it, my perspective of it, my thinking about it, my thoughts that led to my rage. So after further review, I make me so mad. And just to make sure we all get this, I want us to say those words out loud together. Would you say that with me? I make me so mad. Let's say it one more time. I make me so mad. So this week, when you're frustrated in traffic, or you're about to get in an argument with somebody at work, or a friend at school, or somebody in your home, when, you, when you're ready to throw out your harshest words and unleash some unnecessary roughness on somebody or something, instead of using your finger in an inappropriate way, you're going to take that finger and point to yourself, and you're going to say, I make me so mad. Just a reminder from James chapter 1, Jesus' brother writes this, verse 19 and 20, my dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry because your anger can never make things right in God's sight. You know, if you've got preschoolers, you've got, you got some of this stuff around your house. You've seen these juice squeezes, haven't you, Capri Sun? Can anybody else have, have trouble putting a straw in these things? I mean, I, I marvel at nurses that can do an IV, and I can't put a straw in a Capri Sun package. I, I destroy the thing. But you know what these things are, these little squeezes. If you, you put a little pressure on them, and it squirts juice in your mouth. Whatever's on the inside just comes out. And people are like squeezes, right? Whatever is on the inside of us, it comes out when the pressure is on. When situations put the squeeze on you and me, whatever's on the inside is going to come out. If it's love, if it's joy, if it's peace, if it's patience, if it's kindness, if it's goodness, if it's gentleness, if it's faithfulness, it's going to come out. But the more unresolved tension and anger and bitterness we have rolled around on there, guess what? That's going to come out too. And honestly, that's why some of us get flagged for unnecessary roughness so often because we're filled up with stress and hurt and past memories and grudges and overloaded schedules and disappointment and frustration. That's what's in you. And maybe you're so full of all that stuff that anytime anyone or anybody slightly jostles you, it just all squirts out and the people around you get hurt. You see, unresolved anger and bitterness is the antithesis of gentleness, power under control. Because it is power out of control. 
I mean, it's the cocaine of the emotions always saying, feed me. It will suck the joy out of your life. It will cause you to judge other people, criticize everybody who doesn't see life your way. You walk around with a chip on your shoulder and a grudge deeply embedded in your heart, and your life and those around you are slowly being destroyed. And that's why the Holy Spirit wants to move into your life and my life and help us get rid of all that bitter poison in there. Instead of holding on to grudges and hurts and entitlement, he will take you and me to scriptures like these, like Ephesians 4. He's reminded me time and time again, come on, bro, be humble and gentle. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make it allowances for each other's faults because of your love. He's taken me to Colossians 3 many times. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. And the Lord Jesus who forgave us, he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That former tough guy, Paul, he wrote in Romans 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Don't curse them. I mean, right now, if, if you're just honest, maybe after further review, Maybe the reason you've been dishing out kind of harshness or unnecessary roughness on yourself and on other people is because you've got a bunch of unresolved junk in your soul. Some anger rolling around in there all messed up over somebody in your life that hurt you, embarrassed you, used you, abused you, and it's eating you alive. And today, right now, in this moment, the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, let's get rid of this bitterness and let me help you replace it with gentleness. You see, see, God is a craftsman, and he goes to work exposing our resentments and chiseling away at our character. He takes a router to our rage. He sands all the rough edges, and then he finishes, off, finishes us off with this soft glow of gentleness. And then like any project that you're proud of, he wants to put you and me on display. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. And like any craftsman, any artist, he wants to put his masterpiece on display to show the world what he can do with reclaimed lumber from the junkyard. Because that inspires people. It gives them hope for their life too. You remember how we just read, let your gentleness be evident to all? Our gentleness is on display God wants to put us on display with the sales associate at the mall. We were on display with the person behind the counter at 7-Eleven. We are on display in the stands of a high school football game. We are on display in our parking lot. We are on display with the waiter or waitress at our local restaurants. You know, I've always thought how sad it is that restaurant workers dread, I mean dread, the just got out of church crowd. Because I've talked to many of them through the years, and they'll tell you, a lot of people who walk straight in out of church are grouchy, demanding, whiny, rude, impatient, and they tip very little. And gang, that's embarrassing to God. It ought to be the exact opposite. My, my prayer has always been that, that because like the, the people of Lake Point, that restaurant workers in our area would get giddy. Like, oh man, church is almost out. I can't wait for those Lake Point people to walk in here. They are the best, man. They are fun. They are kind. They're, they're patient. They're friendly. They're gentle. They don't gripe, and they leave huge tips. I love working weekends. You see, God is an incredible craftsman, and he loves to take raw material. I'm talking formerly rude, obnoxious, angry, unforgiving, self-centered people like you and me. 
And he draws us back to himself and he restores a relationship with him through the person of Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit moves into our lives and starts to produce amazing things on the inside of us. And then he puts us on display for the whole world to see his incredible workmanship. So today, if after further review, you feel like God's been flagging you for unnecessary roughness, stop arguing the call. Just agree with him. He's never blown a call. And just start cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just humbly say today, God, you know what? Uh, You're right. You're right. I haven't thought about it before, but yeah, I need a dose of gentleness in my life. Been way too harsh with my spouse, my kids, neighbors, people in traffic. I just been acting like a big boat. I want, I want my power under your control. I need some gentleness in my life. And I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and ask for your help every day. I need your power to soften my rough edges. Because I want my power to be under your control on a daily basis. So why don't we just pause and pray about that right now. Father, I thank you for the way you see potential in us. And Jesus, the way you saw potential in your guys, and even though they were rough and had all kinds of anger issues and they'd fly off the handle, you changed them. And because you changed them, the church was born. We have salvation. I'm just so grateful for the way you change people. And God, thank you for the way you've been working inside of me for a lot of years now. And I know i got a long way to go. But I, I pray that all of us would be sensitive to when we know the Holy Spirit, even like in a moment like this, just throwing a flag on us. Going, that's, that's you. That one's you. God, I pray we'd be humble enough to say, okay, I agree with you. I need to go to work on this. And I will surrender to you on a daily basis and listen to you as you try to help me with my tone, as you try to help me with my reactions. Help me not just to steamroll ahead like I always do, but I want to be tender. I want to be kind. I want to be humble and gentle. Father, that's our prayer today, that uh, especially for every guy in this place, God, because I know what a struggle this is. And I, I just pray that we would be the kind of men that would be your best version of us. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, the gentle one. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.